Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Today on the show, we have Todd Dexheimer. He's the CEO of Venture D Properties. He's a former high school industrial tech teacher that started investing in real estate back in 2008. And since then, has done a lot, has gone on to purchase and renovate uh, over 800 units, including over 100 flips, a ski resort, mobile home parks, developments, and apartment buildings. And today, Todd's focus is on syndicating value-add multifamily in emerging markets, uh, as well as coaching and, and uh, coaching other uh, aspiring investors. So love that, love that story. I resonate with a lot of that myself. Todd, welcome. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, over a hundred flips, you know, I can relate, <laughs> I can relate to that. Did you start out flipping houses and then figured out how to make money and just did a bunch or what, how did you end up with a hundred, hundred flips? Yeah, I actually started out, um, I started out not flipping houses. I didn't want to flip. Yep. And then, uh, and then I, I kind of got stuck. So I was doing rentals and right away. So I was, I was buying these, you know, one to four family rentals. And so, no, I, you know, I started actually my dream from, from the beginning, which is crazy from the be very beginning, I wanted to invest in multifamily, large multifamily. Um, and why, so why was that the dream? Was that it? Was that a mentor <laughs> or a book you read? I mean, book. It, most people, end up there, but they don't yeah. kind of start there. It's well, a book. I, okay. I ended up not starting there. So I ended up starting like everybody else, but it was a, it was books that I was reading. I, I read several different real estate books and, and a couple that really clicked with me or one by one was by Ken McElroy, ABC's a real estate investing. That was a lot of basically about multifamily and then multifamily millions by David Lindell. So I read both of those books. And I'm like, This is it. And then I actually, uh, Coincidentally, Lindo was in town and at one of our like real estate things. And this is right like in 2008 during the crash. And I hadn't quite started investing. I heard Lindo talk. And I'm like, this is, this is, this is exactly it. I actually tried to sign up for his course. My wife told me, no way you're spending that much money <laughs> on, a, on a course. And I didn't. Yep. Um, I maybe should have, but I didn't. <laughs> and, well, uh, hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. Hindsight. Hindsight. So, so anyways, um, I ended up buying these one, you know, I started out with single families, duplexes, and then I ran out of money, uh, fairly quickly. Yep. And I ran out of it really, it was, it wasn't even money because I figured out how to do them with very little money, um, which we can get into, but I, I actually, Ran, really ran out of credit at the time you could only get four loans in your personal name there was a sure short time there you can only get four so i ran out like i had my own house and i had three houses and then i partnered with a guy and we did a couple that we ran and so i didn't have any other options i didn't know there was any other options. so i started flipping houses and i was good at it and so right. i kept on flipping houses and that allowed me to, to create more money to then buy more rentals. And eventually I did figure out how to get more loans um, and snowball from there. So I wish maybe I would have started multifamily, but you know, it's, 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 it was a good path too. 
to that that I took. I think it's it's uh, definitely a path that a lot of people can take, and there's success with it. And it's pretty easy, I would say, natural to get into. Yeah, I think there's something valuable too about being someone with no experience real estate investing to something, right? I mean, I I, I don't. I started out single family and did a million of them before graduating to multifamily. And I don't know that I'd choose that path again, but it's, it's a difficult mindset shift to go from, Hey, you read a book to now I'm going to go buy a hundred units. Um, yeah. Mechanical, well, it, the mechanics aren't that difficult, but mentally it's right. a big hurdle. Right. You know? that, that, and that, that's exactly is the mental, it's that building the confidence level too. Like think about your first couple single family houses that you bought and you're just like terrifying. Thing. Yeah, you're like this little kid. You're like uh, super <laughs> scared of their first day at kindergarten, you know? That's right. So that's exactly how it is. <laughs> Think if that was a hundred unit apartment complex. Really? Come on now. Like that's yep. not going to happen. So at least for me, yep. it wasn't going to. No, I, I agree. I was the same way. And um and that's it. You know, I think it's a very common path. It's funny. I was reading your bio at the top of the show. I'm like, this is my bio. You know, it's just like, it's the same thing, man. Um, it, so it's, it's common and I guess it's common for a reason. You know, you just start to do those single family deals. You get comfortable, you get, maybe you start raising some capital for those deals and then you have some success and then you run into roadblocks. You go, well, I'm, I don't want 200 rental houses. That that's crazy. What's, there's gotta be a better way. Um, so Yeah. Yeah, no, I love it. It's it's funny that you know you run out of credit at four houses, but you can go get a loan on a you know hundred unit building. Right. Um, almost easier in in some you know if you have the right pieces of the puzzle in place. Yeah. Um, so so you, that's cool that you were you know attracted to real estate with these large multifamily projects. So when did that start to come together for you in terms of actually making that transition into the larger stuff? Yeah, I mean, probably way too late. Uh, I got really comfortable and good at uh, doing these flips. So, you know, I was good at it. I was making money. Um, and these rentals, I was I was buying them for, for very good prices. Uh, yep. A lot of cash flow. And so it was comfortable. And I think that's what probably made me stay in it the longest is that I was really, I got fat and happy um, sure. with, the, with, the, with that type of deal. And it was familiar. And so going into these multifamilies was a little unknown and scary, quite frankly. And, and so I had wanted to for a while, but I finally jumped in to multifamily properties in 2016. Uh, I believe it was like the beginning of 2016, maybe end of 2015 is when I bought my first multifamily. Uh, and then when I really bought my first bigger multifamily, because uh, I, so I started out buying uh, like 10, 20, 30 unit uh, buildings and brought yep. in, you know, a couple partners with them and, and did that for a while. And then I graduated finally to the larger properties. And that those weren't until about, uh, I think the very, I think my first property was either, I think it was the end of 2017 was my very first bigger property. Got it. And so... That's interesting. And that's, that's kind of a common path too. how are you handling management on those 10 and 20 units since you don't really have like a big payroll number at that, at that size? Yeah. I used third party property management. Um, yep. and these were out of state. So I had gotcha. to use third party property management and that was difficult. I tell you this, 
yeah. the, for, for those who are listening and going, oh yeah, that, that, that's a great, I like that stepping stone or I want to buy these 10 to 20 units. And I don't know, um, you know, how many people have them, but for, for, in my experience with those is they are the most difficult properties. Right. Uh, there's, there, it's hard to find third-party property management companies that are good and competent at them. Right. And uh, you've got kind of all the same problems as a large multifamily with none of the, the kind of benefits or very few of the benefits. You don't have the scale That's uh, right. that you would like. So it's kind of like that no man's land is that like, especially that like 20 unit building. It's tough. Yeah. Cause that's a lot of, that's a lot of rents to collect. That's a lot of leases to stay on top of. You've got uh, 20 units. You're, you're not going to be able to afford an onsite manager yeah. or full-time maintenance guy. So your, your repairs and maintenance is going to be contracted out at a higher price. Um, what kind of a rate were you paying on a, on a third party? Was it like a 10% of revenue and, and, and then repair and maintenance on top of that? Or what was the structure like? Yeah, I've had, I've had several, uh, I think I'm on my third property management company because they're very hard to find anybody good. And I finally yep. think I have a pretty decent one and, and now I'm actually selling some of those properties. I've already sold a couple and I'm selling some more. Um, but yeah, anywhere between, I think the cheapest I paid was 8%. The most expensive I paid was, was 10%. And then you've got some leasing fees on top of that. So what people sure. forget is when they do their underwriting, they don't take into the fact that they've got leasing fees. Every time you have a lease expire, you have to get somebody else in there. And that's usually going to cost you, depending on your market, the market that I was in, it's, it's like three to $400 um, for every new tenant. And then you've got, of course, your repairs and maintenance, which as you said, is a little more expensive uh, because you got that, you know, they're driving across town just to get to your property. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It is interesting. And it is kind of no man's land in that call it 20 unit range where um, you've got a budget for all that stuff for sure. Um, do you think it was helpful though to do that? I guess in terms of your skill set is kind of one piece to be able to go do something larger. But then also we talked about in terms of your confidence and your mentality, was it important for you to have that stepping stone or you think you could have, could have done without it? I certainly could have done without it, but I think, yeah, I don't think as far as the experience goes, that was really much. Um, I think as far as just my confidence level went, that was there. I was just lacking that confidence of, of taking it to that next level. Um, and finally a mentor of mine's like, you know, basically like, why, why do you need to continue to, to graduate? Like, just right. go buy, if you want to buy a hundred unit building, just go buy one. Like, what are you waiting for? Mm -hmm. And this was probably somebody that had done that as easy for them to say, right? Like, yeah, it's not that hard. Just go do it. It's always easier said than done. Right. But, but the, yep. you know, I had a lot of experiences like, look, uh, look at these people that are doing it. Go, go, you know, name, name 10 people that you know that are doing this and you're as smart as them and you've probably got more experience as most of them especially before they even started. And I was like, Oh yeah, I've done a lot more than a lot of these people have. Why shouldn't I be doing it? Yeah. It's a very interesting mental game. When do you give yourself permission? It's totally a, a man versus self uh, conflict here. Right. Um, which is so fascinating to me. It kind of always is right. It, you've got all these externalities, but it's pretty much always like you versus yourself 
in terms of your growth. So that, that's so funny. And that is exactly the, the, you know, the path I've gone through and you look back and go, well, we, you know, I did that. I don't know why I waited that long to do that. And then, and then once you do it, now you, you've grown your capabilities and your confidence and you, you just kind of adjust to that new normal, right? Yeah, it's 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 like the 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 devil and the angel on the shoulder. Instead, it's like <laughs> that wimpy kid, and yep. like you know the the person that like the boss, right? And yeah, you're listening to that wimpy kid for way too long. Like get that get that thing off your shoulder. Yeah, uh, you gotta you gotta you gotta let that go. Honestly, for for those who are wanting to get to that next level, you gotta let it go, and you've gotta. I think you can move a lot quicker than most of us think, you know, and, and I'm sure you said you would say yep. the same thing. Like totally agree. I, I could have fast forwarded my growth by, by several years. Um, so. Yeah, that's, it's totally true. It's just kind of a confidence thing. I remember I had, a, I had this kind of epiphany in my mid thirties uh, was like, uh, okay, I'm a grown up now. This is it. Anything that I had dreams about what my life was going to be when I was younger, it's now and it's going by and this is it. So whatever you want your life to be, go ahead and just make it do it because there's no, this is it. You're grown up. This is the life you, you have, you know, and if it's not what you dream then uh, and you, and you want something more, you, you have to just go do it. And it's a, it's a tough thing, but everybody that has, done it has faced some sort of a jumping off point which at times is terrifying plain and simple and that's the true with anything you know whether if it's a promotion at work or getting into a larger multifamily or you know getting married all these life events there's there's some terror at some points and um people that do it have have acted in, in spite of that not foolishly right i mean anybody can go make big decisions stupidly and fail uh that's not what we're talking about here we're talking about getting educated, getting the team, but trigger pulling is, <laughs> you're the only one that could do that, right? You're the only one. At some point you have to just do it. There's a lot of armchair real estate investors out there. That, Isn't that the truth? You know, I mean, you, you go to any meetup in any town at any time and there's, you know, let's say there's 150 people in the room out of that 150, 15 of them are actually doing you know, deals consistently, you know, another handful are, are doing deals here and there and the rest of them either have only done one deal ever or just haven't even done a deal. And yeah. I, I bet it's the 80, 20 rule in most sure. rooms, you know, you might have some elite rooms that you get into that more than that, but I, I bet there's it's the 80, 20 rule. Like it is pretty much everywhere, right? Yeah. Yep. That's right. Yep. A lot of, a lot of armchair real estate investors. I like that. And they may, they may be able to talk to talk. They may yeah. know how to run numbers. You know, they may know how to do a lot of things on paper and uh, don't have anything in their portfolio to, in their portfolio to show for it. So that's, yeah. that's so interesting. You gotta, you gotta take action. I mean, you know, people listening to this are getting educated and likely you know, you're attracting people that are taking action, but you know, those of you that are, those that are listening that aren't taking action, you got to look at yourself and, and why, what's the reason, what's your excuse at not taking action. And then how can you get past that excuse? How can you move beyond that excuse and actually take action? As you said, we don't want to just go out there and be stupid about it. We don't want to go out there and just blindly take action. That does nobody any good, but right. 
if we've been educated, if we, if we're listening to this show, if we're reading books, if we're, you know, getting our education and our mind right, we're ready and we have to take action. You're not a real estate investor until you actually start buying real estate. That's right. Yep. Yeah. You got to sit at the closing table and, and sign a thick, thick uh, stack of documents and then, yeah. then you're in, but not until then. You know, one of the things that really was pivotal for me was you know, early on was the education and all those pieces, but it was, it was the, you know, a, a connection with somebody that was where I wanted to be and not a, you know, an email exchange, but sit down, have dinner, sit across from the table, have a relationship. And then th something about the way the human mind works when you're in proximity with people like that, you, you, it just starts, something happens when you're physically present around people like that. It starts to click and you go, you know, I respect this guy or gal, um, but they're not any smarter than I am and they're doing it. And they're just, there's something clicks in your brain that makes you go, Hey, this is maybe possible. Was there a moment for you like that where you connected with somebody further down the path and, and you said, okay, these, this person's doing it. That's a big, that's a big mental step for me to, to understand that I could do it. Yeah. You know, looking back, you know, kind of probably, um, well, so I, I was buying these, as I said, these 20, 30 unit type buildings. And I met with a gentleman that was buying, you know, 200, 300, unit buildings. Uh, I had a pretty good portfolio and I just met with them for coffee and asked him a bunch of questions and was nervous because I knew he had all these properties. And, and as I was talking to him, I'm like, I mean, super nice guy, but he's not like, he's not like this overly impressive, like, whoa, like, this guy just blows my mind. There's no way I could do what he's doing. It wasn't that. Right. It was like, right. He's just a normal person. Like he's just like me mm -hmm. type of thing. And uh, so when I was done with that conversation, that's when I started really going, why am I waiting? And then, and then I, I, that was actually what triggered the conversation with, with my mentor that, that I said, you know, this and he, and the mentor is like, why are you waiting? Like you, you shouldn't be waiting. And of course I, I can't, say who I sat down with because I don't want to, you know, say they were yeah. not that special. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I mean, you know, you're doing amazing things, right. Don't right. get me wrong, but it wasn't that like you said, you know, when you, you hear somebody sometimes speak, you're like, wow, that person is unbelievably smart. Like, right. And Elon Musk type talking about something you're going, okay, yeah, I'm you're not right. doing I, that. I could never do that. You know, yeah. that wasn't the case here. It was just this normal everyday conversation with an everyday type person. And, and you know that, so that helped a lot. And then I think just like going to some of these bigger conferences with a lot of people like you uh, that were doing, you know, a lot of multifamily deals uh, that helped kind of, continue to push that cart along knowing, okay, I'm in good company. I, there's a lot of people similar to me that are doing what I'm either doing or want to be doing. Yeah, that's huge. That, that, that especially kind of early on, I think the importance of that camaraderie and connection can't be overstated just for, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're going out there as kind of the tip of the spear and making something happen. Um, maybe, 
a lot of us have a business framework to, to work within and past success to build on or, or some capital to work with. But, um, you know, if you're trying to trans translate those skills into multifamily, you know, that's a, that's a new thing. So getting around like-minded people is, uh, it's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. It's hugely, hugely powerful. Yeah. And, and, you know, you go to these conferences or any kind of meetup and, and the speaker you, you want to speak to, or really anybody that's there that, you know, has the experience that you want, just go up and meet them. Look, I go to conferences and you go to conferences to meet people, right? Right. I mean, that's one of the big reasons we go there. Yeah. If we have a speaking and, um, uh, part that's great we like that but part of the reason why we have the speaking part is to, to be able to meet people sure so come to us and meet us and talk to us and and that allows you even if you don't learn anything from us in my opinion it helps you gain that confidence right maybe some connections uh and really pushes you along that journey yeah, there's no doubt. And there's no substitute for it. I mean, there's so many great channels of education now. There's always been books, podcasts. I mean, you could fill up your entire day yeah. with podcasts, which is awesome. I remember doing that, you know, there was two and a half years of my day job and real estate, you know, really burning the candle at both ends for two and a half years to get out of my corporate yeah. job, right? And it was every morning was just podcasts, every day on the way to work and every day on the way home you know, and just trying to keep all the plates spinning with corporate job and family. But those podcasts were, were huge, but there's no substitute for live connection with, with people that are doing, right. doing things, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And, and a podcast are a good point. Like people right now that want to get into real estate investing, they've got a big advantage over somebody, you know, 10 years, 15 years ago. Yep. That wasn't even a thing. Like I remember putting a tape deck in my vehicle you know, or CD, yep. uh, yep. you know, and driving around and listening to like Carlton sheets and like people like that. Cause yep. that's what you had. And quite frankly, I didn't even discover there was a, such a thing as a podcast until probably like 2016. I didn't, I didn't even know it was around. Uh, so it's, it's, a, there's so much information out there. There's really no excuse to not have that information. Yeah, that's right. So you didn't come across podcasts till 2016. When did you start know, right? your podcast? Did you start it that 2017? Go, hey. Okay. So you're like, oh, here's a like, podcast. Is, yeah, I'm starting I, one. Honestly, that's what, that's pretty much how it was. I was like, wow, this is really cool. I got interviewed on my very first podcast. I didn't even know what somebody, somebody came up to me and said, Hey, I'd love to interview you on my podcast. And I said, what is a podcast? Wow. And they explained it to me and I said, yeah, I'll do that. That sounds fun. And I got interviewed and I said, I got to start one of these. This is really cool. So that's honestly, that's how I started it. <laughs> that's awesome. So, ha so 2017, how many episodes are you guys up to right now? Uh, we're you do a weekly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we do it twice a week now. That's right. Um, so we're, we're almost, I bet we're coming up to 300 here pretty soon. That is awesome, man. Yeah. That yeah. is it's awesome. Been a fun journey. Uh, a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's podcasts are great in, in so many ways. I love it. Um, well, congrats on that. I mean, that's Thanks. having that sort of an episode backlog is, is, uh, it's, it's an asset, you know, it's an asset that, that can't be taken away and just continues to build and grow. I love it, man. And I'm a bad host for not remembering this, but you were on there and I wish I knew the episode. Number oh, it's a ways I, back. Yeah. It's been a little while. It, it was probably right around maybe, maybe let's call it a hundred or so. Um, gotcha. Oh, it's buried in there now. <laughs> it's buried in there. We, should, we need to do another one. We need to, we do should. It. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so that's right. Uh, check back in and, and uh, yeah. love it. Well, hey, on the operation, I want to talk a little bit about the operation side and, and, and yeah. um, kind of dig into what you guys are doing kind of on the multifamily properties. I mean, I, I kind of tell people it's pretty boring. I mean, you go in and you do floors and paint and some fixtures, yeah. but, uh, you know, I mean, is that, is that kind of what you guys are doing on interiors or anything else there that, you know, in the, in the scope of work that I missed or it's, it's pretty straightforward uh, interior upgrades? Yeah, I mean, it, pretty standard. Uh, you know, we we try to make everything pretty uniform. You know, so yep. paint is the same boring color on every single unit. We're trying to go with what's in what's in right now, and hopefully, will be in for years. Uh, so right now, the grays are in. Sure. Um, <clears throat> you know, potentially new cabinets. Depending on the, the project, it might be new cabinets, it might be refacing cabinets, it might just be painting cabinets or just putting new hardware on the cabinets. So the cabinets vary pretty, pretty much, uh, every project countertops, oftentimes we're replacing. Um, and then typically it's all new light fixtures, all new, uh, plumbing fixtures, uh, new hardware, door hardware, um, sometimes hinges, uh, that type of stuff just to make everything uniform. Uh, and then bathrooms, typically a uh, new vanity, um, maybe, depending on when the property is built and when the toilets were replaced, we're doing like low flow toilets. Um, again, the fixtures, we're doing everything low flow um, or LED for the lights. Yep. Um, you know, new blinds like that. So just kind of the simple stuff. Um, I'd like to try to put money into the amenities. Right. Uh, a lot of properties are either lacking amenities or have kind of old dysfunctional type amenities. Um, so we want to put some money into the amenities if if that's a, a need. Uh, I feel like that gives you a big return on your investment if you can spend, you know, let's call it a thousand bucks a unit on amenities. Uh, that that probably is going to give you your investment back, in my opinion, the quickest, um, depending on what you have and what neighborhood you're in, of course. Um, and then, uh, of course. You know, if we have to, we're going to do the bigger capital improvements. But, you know, those are kind of a pain because they, they provide oftentimes no return on investment. Like, you know, right. a, a putting in a new furnace or boiler or, you know, the worst is like replacing a flat roof. Well, nobody can see a flat roof. Right. Know? Zero so value. A, yeah. Right. You spent 150K on it or whatever it is and you, you created zero value zero NOI increase, but, yep. uh, you know, we try to, we try to really focus too on what can we do to reduce expenses? Mm -hmm. uh, because when we talk about NOI growth and that's what we're trying to push is NOI growth, expenses provide you the greatest amount of NOI growth value. In my opinion, we, we can do little things to, to, bring to tip that scale down and when a recession happens that doesn't change right, right. Your expenses don't go up because of a recession in fact they likely go down or stay stagnant where income if we only drive the income and we drive that to a, a max level and a recession happens income can go down and a lot of people think multifamily is bulletproof and I love multifamily, but I'm not sure. naive enough to think it's bulletproof. It can right. still get affected by a recession. Sure. Right? So 
let's say our rents go down by five or 10%, that sucks. But if we have, if we controlled our expenses and we reduced those, that's not going to change. The recession doesn't hurt us at all in that. So that's, I really focus on how do we reduce our expenses? How do we make the properties more effective, efficient um, for us? So a lot of energy stuff, of course, uh, if we can save money on water and electricity, um, you know, that's, that's huge. Um, if we can take care of anything that's going to be deferred type maintenance, you know, we want to do our capital improvements. We want to make sure we're, you know, getting all those things done to try to make our units as bulletproof as possible um, to where we're reducing some of that, you know, expense. We want to control those things. We want to control our taxes, you know, taxes can go up and oftentimes it's not that difficult to fight those taxes and bring them down to a, sure. a better level. Same thing with insurance, you know, so, so we want to try to control those as much as we can. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, um, if you're able to save a dollar on expenses, that's the same as a, as a dollar of, uh, of revenue coming in. I mean, it all, it all drops to the bottom line. Um, I think it's better, as I already said, a a dollar in expense savings is a dollar in expense savings across the board, where a dollar in rent gain might end up going right back down. Right. It's, it's, it's vulnerable. Yeah. Vulnerable. Right. And it's, it's dependent on somebody writing that check. Somebody's got to, somebody's got to write that check or go online and, and pay it every month. And And your expenses are always there. That's right. That's right. And so, uh, yeah, especially on the taxes. I mean, I don't know what you see in your markets. Taxes are kind of really our biggest line item that that kind of competes with payroll. So if there's any kind of tax savings we can do with a protest or maybe even a lawsuit in some cases, um, that's going to have a huge impact. Huge impact. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And payroll, you know, is another one. Can we do things more efficiently? We don't, We don't want to cut, like, I don't want to cut payroll just for the sake of cutting payroll. Sure. We want a good property, right? We want, we want good people at our property that are running our property, but can we run it more efficiently to be able to reduce some of that payroll? Maybe we've got a neighbor, a sister property that's close enough by where we can combine some of that stuff. And now we can reduce some of our payroll expenses. So there's all kinds of different ways to like go about it and to be able to be more efficient with your, with your expense items. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I mean, it becomes kind of a, kind of a game and an art form really to, to dial all that stuff in. Keeps it fun too. Right. Yep. Um, I want to talk a little bit, Todd, about your, you know, you've gone through this, this process and built your portfolio over the years. And then now you're another kind of step that people get to is, is coaching aspiring investors. So what does that, what does that look like? And what did that transition look like for you? Yeah. Um, look, I was a high school teacher. Uh, I taught industrial tech and enjoyed it. the teaching aspect. Didn't really enjoy some of the other stuff that went along with it, but sure. I never thought I was going to get back into teaching. Never really intended to, um, but I kept on having people ask me to help them out. And, you know, I had a coaching program and, and that type of stuff. And I, I never, I never did. Uh, finally, I just said, you yeah, know, let me see if I can, uh, I'll take somebody on. And so I took, I took a one person on and I really, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed yeah. it. And, uh, you know, saw the results and, and thought it was, it was a lot of fun. So I've just kind of grown that 
you know, organically, I haven't pushed it really. It's not, sure. I, I'm not a, I wouldn't call myself a big guru. I'm not out there with, uh, you know, 30 clients or anything like that. Um, but I, you know, have some one-on-one -on -one coaching that I do. And then I do these um, kind of mastermind uh, groups where we've got a group of you know, eight to 10 people. And uh, we talk, you know, a couple times, uh, well, once, once a month and they have some other, you know, things going on and some meetings. And I really like those. I think those provide tremendous, tremendous value um, for everybody involved. So it's just been a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy doing it and I love seeing the results. I mean, there's nothing better when, when somebody you've been mentoring is now buying multifamily properties yeah. and doing what they set out to do. I mean, it's, it's right. So cool. It's huge. So, it's life-changing for people. It is. It is. And I, I, I fully believe in it. Um, you know, some people are like, oh, you don't need it. I mean, maybe you don't, but I, I think, uh, I think, you know, if you look back at what we talked about earlier, you know, you and I, uh, you know, or at least I, for sure, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would have benefited having a mentor a lot earlier. I Absolutely. likely would have gotten started a lot earlier. Um, and so, and made probably less mistakes. So having that mentor, it can really trim that timeline down and it can eliminate some mistakes. Um, so the money you spend, hopefully you get that in return. Of course, you got to do the hard work. There's of course. Nothing, you're right. But no, no way around I, that. I, yeah. I've enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun. And uh, yeah. we'll see where, we'll see where it goes. I, I'm, uh, you know, taking on clients that, that really want to make a difference and, and want to change and are ready for it. Right. I, I don't want to take on. Absolutely. Anything. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I agree with everything you said. I mean, especially in the multifamily world where, you know, I might pay a lender, you know, a 1% origination fee. You know, it might be a hundred thousand dollars just for them. The title companies costing thousands of dollars. Um, I might have to pay my attorney 10, 20 grand, which is fine. And I, you know, I would say I'm paying it. You know, I may write the check, but I get reimbursed at closing. But when you're doing a bigger deal, those are the kind of line items you're, you're dealing with. You know, you're talking yeah. about a five, 10, $20 million purchase price. Um, you know, if that's the game that you aspire to play, you absolutely need a coach, you know, yeah. absolutely. And then the line item for that stuff is like, nothing uh you know if you if you're gonna go do stuff you know if yeah, you if one, you just one deal and you more than pay yeah for. it's it's not even a question right so I, I i agree if you're if you're gonna be an action taker um then there's there's no question that that's a, a valuable thing to do you know if you if you're not gonna be an action taker like there's no there's no cure for that right yeah but, if you're um, just a dreamer then don't hire a coach which which is what you know i try to have that kind of those interviews. Uh, I mm -hmm. interview people. I, I don't just take any, nobody can sign up for Good. my program. We yep. have to, we have to have a conversation. We have to get to know each other because I don't want to take you. If, you, if I, I'm not going to teach you about what NOI is and what cash, you know, cash right. on cash is and, the basics, yeah. you know, I'm not, I don't want to teach you that stuff. If you don't know right. that, go learn it and then let's talk. And, yeah. and, but if you, and if you're not motivated, you don't, you don't have the desired, you think this is just a, uh, get rich quick. Like we're going to buy a couple apartments and then we're going to go sit on the beach and sip, uh, you know, sip margaritas all day. It's like, that's, that's just not, that's not how it is. It's not reality. Right. Right. Yeah. I like that, that kind of pre-screen process. Like, listen, you can get the basics 
it's you're not you're not paying for the basics in education that stuff is ubiquitous man go get it uh, you know anywhere yeah. um so now I love it. Well, listen, if somebody uh, listening here hasn't connected with you, they want to, they want to reach out and kind of get in your universe. What's a good uh, avenue for that, Todd? Um, yeah. So there, there's a lot of places people can connect with me. I, I'd say I'm most active on Facebook and LinkedIn. I'm trying to get active on Instagram, but I'm just not a social media guy. You know, I just yeah. figured out podcasts a couple of years ago. So <laughs> uh, I'm a little slow to that stuff. Um, but they can connect with me there. I would love for them if they connect with me just to like shoot a message like, Hey, I heard you on, on, uh, you know, the podcast, but if, if they, so if they can do that, otherwise they can connect with me. Um, my website, uh, it's venture D properties.com at uh, venture D as in Dexheimer properties.com. And then uh, coach with Dex D E X, uh,.com. If they want to learn more about that. Perfect. Well, we'll link to the sites in the show notes and, um, listen, Todd, it was great to catch up, man. I really appreciate you jumping on and, and sharing your story. I think there's a, a lot here for, for people to get out of it. So thank you for, for jumping on and, uh, hope to catch up with you soon. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. All right. We'll see you. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to DJETexas.com.